0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty, a podcast for beauty barbering and wellness professionals looking for successful, sustainable, and satisfying careers. Tune in every Sunday to hear conversations with brilliant professionals from across the industry offering their best advice on a variety of topics. I'm Gordon Miller, CEO of BeautyCast Network and your podcast host. And today, I am so happy I get to welcome... Icon is not even the right word, but I'm going to call him an icon in our industry as an educator, an entrepreneur, a motivational speaker. I mean, that's just like, it doesn't even begin to say who this guy is. He's host of the Masters podcast. We'll talk about that in, in just a moment. A humanitarian, again, iconically, Dean of Paul Mitchell Schools, Wynn Kleba, Welcome.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Gordon. I, I, and I hear what you're saying. It's like, like somebody has to typecast us or they have to put us into some type of a category to be able to give us credibility. And, you know, how I've always looked at it is, uh, you know, people like you and I, we just have 20 jobs. That's what we do. So I have to mention you and I have known each other. I, I like to say, cause you're, you're, you're a much bigger
0: figure, you know, than I am in the industry. And I, I like to say I knew when before anybody else in the professional industry, at least at the national level, cause you and I go back all the way I'm going to say to about 1984, like what, that's a, that's a long time ago.
1: <laughs> At the very, very beginning of my school career, I was already in the salon business, barely for a minute. Uh, and then I'm getting ready to open up my school. And that's when you and I met. So, yeah, yeah.
0: You, you opened your school in Oram, I believe, or Provo? Provo, 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 Utah, Provo, Utah. And then very quickly afterwards, I, I remember it so well, really a groundbreaking school you opened in Salt Lake City, not too far from where I was.
1: Yeah, you know, and it, it was uh, an exciting time because uh, th- there were lots of things that I had not yet accomplished that I wanted to accomplish. And I was telling people for years that I was a motivational speaker uh, before I ever became one. You know, I wasn't <laughs> one, but I how I like to look at it is I tell the truth in advance. <laughs> there you
0: go. What I want to say to the audience, again, knowing you for all these years and you've done so much, but I think your greatest legacy you know down the road when we're all kind of gone you know it's going to be that folks are going to be looking at you as a person who i believe more than anybody changed the school game in our industry you know uh, for everything from kind of how we show up as schools you know uh, how we teach you know how students learn how we engage you know back and forth with each other and i, I don't know, language i mean you know i hear so many people talking about future professionals and every time someone does i in the back of my mind, they go, "That came from when when said that first And people talk about learning leaders, and I'm like, "There's my friend Win." I mean, I don't know if everybody knows it, but those words came first by way of you to the entire industry. And again, it, it, it's game changing stuff. You changed how schools look. You know, um, it's 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 pretty amazing. I have to give you kudos as I've done on other occasions when we talk.
1: Well, it was an exciting time because when you when you love something, and I loved students I mm-hmm, loved being in the education business I, I i did I couldn't say that about stylists mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love the beauty industry, but you know stylists that that was a lot of work for me, and I don't know that I really had the the demeanor to to handle some of the drama, and I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way because that 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 drama can be fun energy that a client loves in a salon, but it wasn't certainly. Uh, my cup of tea. It wasn't something that I was cut out to do to manage that drama. Whereas with students, you know, I could walk into a school with the stupidest idea and my future professionals are like, yeah, let's do it. And those the stupid ideas that you had
0: that you'd walk into a school and say, I, I have to say, you know, again, looking back over time are some of the more brilliant ideas probably that have ever kind of shown up in schools. Um, Maybe starting and ending with your thoughts about you know philanthropy and 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 fundraising and what you call fundraising and and let's let's just start and talk about that for a moment. I got other things I want to talk about, but I can't not talk about that because you just completed another big year and you've got a big event coming up. So share a little bit about that. And oh, and before you do, I said this to you on on your podcast once that uh, I remember so clear, and you were surprised um, when I first met you. The salon had done a program called Vanity, which I believe was one of your very first charitable events by way of, I believe, the salon at that point in Salt Lake City. But your interest goes way back into supporting other people.
1: You know, I was raised well by my mom and dad. It was always about giving back and making a difference. You come across statements like service is the rent that we pay for room on this earth. And stuff like that really rings true for me. We're all taking up space on this planet, which means we have to pay rent. And how you pay rent is by giving back, making a difference. And so that was always, always a part of my business model. I literally slept on a mattress on the floor, but we were always, always involved and engaged with raising money and raising awareness and giving back. And, and I, I I make that statement because sometimes people wait until they are successful enough whatever that marker is, whether that takes a year or a hundred years to get there before they finally say, okay, I I have enough in my own pocket. I need to turn around and give back and make a difference. Um, But people are always saying, you know, when I'm that successful, then I'll give back. You know, I used to catch myself saying that when, you know, when I make, that amount of money, then I'll then I'll give back. Then I'll then I'll make a difference. It's like you know, w- when I'm in the mood, then I'll go to the gym. <laughs> I never go. <laughs> I never go if that's yeah, the marker. Yeah, yeah. It's like we have to give back. We have to make a difference no matter what. And we're all well, consumers. We consume air. We consume trees. We consume the paychecks of our customers. Well, we have to be contributors. And and I've always looked at it that way. And I've been grateful to have mentors who, along the way, have taught me that. That cool, you have a dollar in your pocket, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with making money, but what have you contributed? What have you given back?
0: And you established something called the Andrew Gomez Foundation. You'll have to tell us how many years ago because it's been around a very long time now, and you've raised 20-some million dollars. And I, I said this recently at, at the Camp Paul Mitchell event um, in a talk I was doing. I nobody's raised as much money, and I know it's a collective effort. It's not just you, but but you know you you lead the charge every
1: year. Nobody's done what you've done. Nobody's even come close. It's twenty four million dollars, and I'm I'm very proud that it's 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 grassroots. So how we've raised twenty four million dollars? People think, oh well, you've got a bunch of millionaires' back pocket that write out big checks. No, we do not. We have raised that amount of money five dollars at a time, ten dollars at a time through the incredible efforts of our future professionals, our, our team members in our schools, and our school leaders. And again, the average donation is about 5 to $10 doing bake sales, car washes, uh, cut-a-thons, yeah, you name it, whatever we need to do to, to, to raise that amount of money. Um, and it's for a variety of causes, because I I don't believe to think that the things that I'm passionate about, the causes that I'm passionate about are the same passions that other people have. and so uh, they 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 take part in the things that I'm passionate about and then they come to me with the causes that they're passionate about. so they might be passionate about about animal health and rescue or about or about the homeless or or about clean water wells. and because they support me and I certainly want to support them, we have added, I'm 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 guessing hundreds and hundreds literally of charities that we have supported over the years.
0: Yeah, and including some great ones in the industry. I know when years ago I was executive director of NCA, the National Cosmetology Association, now part of PBA, but we had started the Cut It Out program. And I remember so well reaching out to you going you know, would you consider? And you immediately you know, stepped up by way of, you know, this big effort and, and supported that. And so, yeah, so many, so many great causes over the years. So, um, yeah, thanks for all you do on behalf of so many.
1: Well, again, that's, I I, I want to sleep well at night. I want to raise my daughter the right way. I want her to know that she has a dad who uh, is a part of what we call Generation G. The G stands for Generosity. And by the way, there's studies that back this up. Even if you don't have uh, that giving heart, that's okay. Meaning if all you care about is making money, well, then statistically, uh, the the more you do to give back means that your customers are more loyal. Uh, I saw a study that 86% of consumers will switch from one brand to a different brand based on whether or not they are passionate about putting money back out into the community to do good things. So, even if you all you cared about is customer loyalty or team loyalty for you to have a commitment to raising money and raising awareness for causes that you and your team are passionate about, it's good for business
0: yeah it is and 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 it's an industry that does care so much about people i I've over the years, I've tried many times to figure out the math of like how much money every single year do salons and salon professionals and schools give back to the larger world and I, my gut is it's like a billion dollars or something crazy.
1: Well, I'm so glad that you bring that up because you know what, if you want to get the job done, call a hairdresser. So Mm -hmm. in in, in the past several years, I've worked with people like Betty White because she was the president of Morris Animal Foundation. I worked with Dolly Parton because of her wonderful cause called Imagination Library that has provided millions and millions of books to underprivileged kids and, uh, with Larry King, people are you know how did you get to Betty White? How did you connect with Dolly Parton? Did you call their manager? Did you call their agent? No, because what's the manager's job to do? No, Miss Miss White is not available. Miss Parton is too busy. That's the manager's job is to say no. How did I get to Betty White and Dolly Parton? I called their hairdresser. <laughs> mm, I, I so love it. <laughs> of course, their hairdresser. Of course you did. <laughs> of course, hairdressers get the job done. Man, they make things happen. So. So
0: that is so good. All right, so we, we've gone on for a bit. I, I've gone way past what I'm supposed to ask you my first question, but this is the first official question of every podcast, and that's to ask you about best advice that you've ever received from somebody else along this long journey of a
1: career you've had that that worth, is worth sharing with others about how to have a great career. I, I love that question because, and I, I could tell you very specifically of where I was, at what time in my career. And who the person was that, I guess, maybe watching me in action, seeing me frustrated or or tripping over myself or, or not making progress, kindly, lovingly pulled me aside and said, you know, when you are trying to be the smartest person in a room, and that's never going to happen. And I know exactly the scenario because, uh, you know, Van Council, who's now a very good friend of mine. Um, he would intimidate me because I'd think, my gosh, he's so smart. I would and I would hear him talk about, about numbers and business. And in the back of my mind, as much as I loved him, I was always thinking, I'm never gonna be as smart as Van Counsel, which means uh, I'm screwed. And not only am I screwed, but I don't like him now because of that, right? <laughs> and and that it was that loving mentor who pulled me aside and said, quit competing with Van Counsel. You do not have to be the smartest person in a room. And 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 I know a lot of hairdressers who hold themselves back. They walk in and they're thinking, "Oh my gosh, she's prettier than I am. You know, she's skinnier than I am. He has more talent than I have. And then they shrink, they diminish with their own brilliance and their own potential. And so it was that great advice that I love to pass on. You are never, never are you going to be the smartest person, the prettiest person, or the most talented person. And guess what? you don't need to be. What I need to be, is the person who is the most positive person in a room. I need to be the person that is so safe, that's so engaging, that I surround myself with people who are super, super smart. I love saying that I'm not the smartest person in my company. I love saying that I am surrounded by wonderful people and my job is to make sure that they're happy, that I take super good care of them. They they are loyal, loyal, loyal. They never leave me. If you're the The smartest, most talented person working in your salon. I feel sorry for you.
0: Great advice Um, from from a great guy. um, Great salon owner. I I actually, Van Michael Salons, uh, owner of Van Council, um, possibly the most successful salon owner in the world today.
1: Probably. Which, by the way, is why he is my friend. Yeah. Well, that didn't (laughs) come out right. He's my friend (laughs) because I love him. He's my friend because we relate to each And, and I'll guarantee you, and he'll tell you this as well, that. Probably ninety percent of our relationship and the conversations and the interaction that we have have nothing to do with business. But it's that ten percent that wow, this guy is incredible and he's so generous. Because sometimes you you meet those people who are way at the top of their game and, and they're not generous. They don't want to share their ideas. They don't even want to share their time. You know they're too busy for you. And and let alone, am I going to share my ideas with you? There's no way. But that wasn't Van Counsel. and say the truth, that wasn't the majority of the successful people that I've come across in the beauty industry, including the the, the many greats like Vidal Sassoon, you know, John Paul DeJoria. I mean, these are people who are super, super successful, uh, and yet they're the most generous, kind-hearted, giving people. And whenever I connect, uh, like a, one of my new students with a superstar mentor, like a Candy Shaw uh or or uh Melissa Yamaguchi or they 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 connect with me afterwards and said when I can't believe I just got off the phone with Candy she spent over an hour on the phone with me I can't believe she did that I'm like I believe it that's who Candy is
0: I just listened to a podcast just came out I want to recommend folks go check it out Melissa Yamaguchi was on uh, the, the, uh, my day off podcast, The Hair industry Guys, great, great beauty industry podcast. And Melissa is a genius. She's been around for a very long time and I uh, recommend people go check out your day off podcast and that particular episode. Now, everything you just talked about is a perfect lead in. Uh, to to what kind of the core stuff I want to uh, I want to get out of you today, and and that is a book you wrote many years ago, and so many of those people, you, all those people you just mentioned, are fundamentally in my mind nice human beings, and you wrote this great book. You have to tell me how many years back it goes now. I'm called Be Nice, and so I've got something else to say, but give give us the 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 quick um, reason why, and and an overview of what it is, and then we'll dig into it.
1: I originally wrote the book. It was to be a, a training manual for my team. That's what originally it was meant to be. But as I was writing it and sharing uh, chapters or stories from the book or ideas from the manual uh, to a small group of of mentors and and people, the the message that I was getting back is this: this should be a published book. And so I'm I was grateful for that advice. Um, and then. Published the book. I think it's been out for eighteen years, and it's still a bestseller. And so I'm very grateful for that. I had people like like uh, Larry King wrote the forward for the book, and the book was endorsed, you know, by Betty White. And <laughs> I'm, I think I'm going to bring up her name a lot because I'm kind of starstruck with with uh, Betty White. You know, the day that I shot a video with Betty White was the best and worst day of my whole life. So, um, but the the whole foundation of the book is first of all, to undo the myths of what it means or what it doesn't mean to be nice. People think that if I'm nice, people will walk all over me. That if I'm going to get the job done, if I'm going to be uh, impactful and be a success, then I have to be a bit of a jerk. Um, I, I I I have to to manipulate people. I have to police people. And that's what it means to be a good boss. And And it's just so untrue. And so I want to dispel those myths and those belief systems. The second part of the book is is about you can't be nice out there if you're not nice in here. You, you can't be a great boss, you can't be a wonderful leader. You can't even be a good lover, a good parent, a good spouse if you're not first being nice to yourself. And so and some some people, especially maybe women, were taught to believe that they should never think about themselves, that they should take care of everybody else's problems, worry about everybody else's needs, but don't think about your own. And we all know that that's impossible. And then the book gets into different scenarios of where we can be nice. I I love telling this, this uh, joke. So this, this guy is given a tour of his salon of his business. And the person asks, "Um, so how many people work here? And the salon owner responds with, Oh, about half, about half work here the reason why that can't happen is because people are not engaged. Now maybe they're engaged with their time, meaning they show up for one thing and one thing only and that is to receive a paycheck. but they're not engaged with their with their creativity, with their passion, with their with their hearts, with their souls. and And why aren't they engaged because uh, they, they don't feel safe. they don't feel like they belong. they don't feel like the boss cares about them. They don't feel like 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 they are, have a, a why that they have a purpose. And oftentimes, when people aren't engaged, what do we want to do? We just want to fire them. And you can't fire your way into building a better team of people.
0: That's a really, really important point. I'm going to encourage you to potentially, depending on how you respond to this question, to write a new chapter. You know, we are in the age of social media. And coming out of, you know, the, the strange times that we were in, I think more than ever I'm seeing a lot of what we often call client bashing online and a, and a lot of just bashing, period. People being unkind to one another, people being not nice to one another on social. Sometimes it's like anonymous, it's all over the board. But I feel like we're in an odd time. And I think this behavior, you know, that that you're Important behavior that pr- promoting this big idea of being nice and how powerful it can be. I, I feel like we've just lost sight of it when it comes to being online on our phones. So, respond
1: to that. What, what's your take? I'm glad you're bringing this up because I I, I read this uh, this report about how major employers are concerned that empathy is on the decline with this next generation of of employees. And and why would they be concerned about that? Because you can't really offer impeccable customer service without empathy empathy means not only do I put myself in your shoes it also means I can kind of feel what you feel and so if the customer is unhappy and you have that team member who just shrugs it off like I don't care I, I don't really care if they're happy or not i don't i don't I don't really sense that you're not happy well then you better believe that's going to impact customer loyalty and, and profitability now when we consider uh, that um the reason why empathy is down, the reason why we don't connect with each other is because we are staring at a device and I get it. My My phone is sitting right here. I could grab it in two seconds. I'm sure yours is sitting right by you right you know now, it. Gordon. You know it. And everybody listening to this, their their phone is right by them, the, right or by their side. It. Or they're on it right now. <laughs> exactly. And, and this is a device that we can't live out, but how about better boundaries? Our cell phones have replaced our camera, our alarm clock, our our calculator. Don't let your cell phone replace relationships. And, And again, how we have chosen to make money in this industry is not sitting at home in your underwear as a telemarketer. How you will make money in this industry is by having a relationship. It's by having hundreds of people who are loyal to you, for you to help them look good and to feel good. But if you're staring at a device, that's not how you build relationships. That's not how you connect with people. And I I, I think maybe I shared this with you, a, a documentary that I saw about a high school that, that uh, said no more cell phones. And you can imagine all those high school kids were quite upset about that. But they came back, this news crew came back and interviewed these kids three months later. And the difference was they were thrilled. They were thrilled that that no phones were allowed because they were forced to connect with each other and have a conversation with each other. In fact, in this documentary, they had a a camera on the lunchroom of that high school. No phones allowed, and cameras on a lunchroom of, an, of another high school where they do allow cell phones. And the difference was obviously, uh, cell phones are allowed. It was quiet. They were just all staring at a device, every single one of them. And the other lunchroom, they were loud. They were playful. They were they were laughing. They were they were connecting with each other. And I think that that's what we have given up. And you, you don't, you're not born with empathy. You learn and gain empathy. You know, Gordon, you and I, we've been, we've been friends for 40 years. So I, I know when your energy is off. I know your, your facial features and your, and your moods. And I, I can walk in and like, wait a minute. You know, Gordon, what's going on with you? And by the way, you know, the same thing about me. We've got, we've grown up with each other. We've cried on each other's shoulders. We've shared breakups. We've, We've been through all kinds of experiences with each other. And how do we gain that insight with each other, that energy with each other by staring at a device? No, it's by having a connection with people. And so I would not want to be the person to to tell someone what those boundaries should be, but I I would just want people to take that into consideration that maybe you'd need a better boundary and maybe even ask the people around you. You know, I I just saw this, this little video clip of a mentor talking about how if if I'm holding my cell phone in my hand, that means that theoretically, I am available for 8 billion people. Theoretically, 8 billion people can connect with me with that cell phone in my hand. For me to put that cell phone down and put it away means that I am sending the message to the person who's sitting right in front of me, whether that person is my daughter, whether that person is my friend, whether that person is my customer, whether that person is my boss or my team member, I am giving that person my message that, guess what? You are far more important and valuable to me than those 8 billion people.
0: And that's such an important message. Now, empathy. Um, again, we, we know all these brilliant people. I'm going to bring up a name, somebody you have a huge amount of respect for and, and, and knew so well, and that's Vidal. Vidal's was one of the most brilliant hairdressers to ever live, you know, kind of changed the game for everybody you know, in, in a big era you know, back in the, in the 60s. And I, I always think of him as one of the most empathetic people I've ever known. You know, he just had such a love of people that kind of transcended the work. You know, and and we um, just want you to comment on that as it relates to just as a role model for hairdressers generally, because I, I think that made him such a great hairdresser was such a part of of
1: his work. Yeah, you are exactly right, and I was fortunate enough to to know Vidal and to and to work with him and to be friends with him and to travel with him, and I had been to events where there are a thousand people at that event and every single one of them want to meet Vidal Sassoon. Every single one of them were there to, to maybe get a picture with him or to touch him or to connect with him on, on some level. And I would sit back and watch him. And if he was talking to you, he had no idea that the other 999 people were trying to get his attention. He was completely focused on you. And by the way, it was genuine. He was genuinely interested in whoever he was talking about. He wasn't talking about his accolades and his fame and his new car and his and all the money that he, he has. He never talked about that stuff. He was genuinely interested in whoever he was talking to, asking questions. Tell me about you. Tell me about your goals and your passion and your family and where you came from and why'd you choose this industry? And and how can I help you? How can I, how can I support you? And and it was all genuine. You know, if if we have mentors, make sure that the mentors that you have, the heroes that you have in life, which of course inspire you to make money or to dress better or or to have celebrity or to have fame. You know, that's fine that you have those kinds of mentors, but make sure that you're choosing mentors who also have, as you say, that that kind-hearted empathy, like Avid Al-Sassoon. You know, people who who truly, truly come from that heart space because that's what's attractive. You can wear name brands, you can drive an incredible car, you can have marble floors in your salon. But guess what? A client walks in and within three seconds, they make a decision on the culture that you have. Culture happens when two people come together and we have to decide what that culture looks like and what that culture feels like. And sometimes with Marble floors, the best dressed staff on the planet. Uh, the culture doesn't feel right, and you better believe that a customer is spending money with their gut. Do I like you? Do I trust you? And and they they choose to do business elsewhere, even though you have the the best location in town, even though you have the best marketing and the best reputation in town. They'll go someplace else. Why? Because their gut told them this is not a place where I fit in. And uh, so make sure that you're choosing mentors such as a Sassoon or a Candy Shaw or a Melissa Yamaguchi. Uh, we're just naming the same ones over and over again. But trust me, that, that list is lengthy of people in the beauty industry that I can share with you who I know firsthand who would absolutely drop whatever they're doing to mentor that next generation of beautiful, Beauty professionals enter in our industry that they truly are that genuine and that giving and that generous.
0: Well, and, and, you know, again, we're talking about, you know, how to have a long, you know, happy career as much as a successful career. And one thing I know about clients, because I love to talk to consumers, I love to do it on airplanes, I love to do it every chance I get to strangers, you know, like what's your experience in salons? What do you think about what, you know, just how, what do they think about hairdressers and hairdressing? And I'm always amazed at all the great things that I hear. But one thing I know for sure is that the average consumer doesn't understand what it is you do technically. We're, we're not good judges, probably you, you and I both, you know, of, of the work itself. Is this a great haircut? Is this a good haircut? But we're very aware of how you make us feel. And I've known so many people over the years who are like, mm, I don't love this haircut, but I love that person. So I went back again to try to get it right. They'll go back two and three times just to give you a chance to get it right. If they like you. And so, again, going back to being nice and being empathetic and feeling that vibe and that culture, as you say, um, it can supercharge your career. And you and I both know great hairdressers who haven't been able to make it behind the chair. They make it somewhere else in this industry, perhaps in a big way. But being with clients just isn't their thing. They're, they're too down in the weeds on the craft.
1: Yeah. And the craft is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. You never graduate from that. You will always, when you're, 70 years old, you you will want to sign up for a haircutting class for a hair color class. You always want to fine-tune your craft and and take pride in that. But it's this other stuff that we're talking about. I'll be talking about, you know, back to the topic of 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 social media. Uh it's it's amazing. And I could say that from the stage. Okay. Your job is to make customers look good and to feel good. In unison, the entire audience knows how to complete that sentence. It's my job to help my customers feel good. And yet when I visit the social media of a lot of hairdressers, I feel like I'm looking at a Jerry Springer show. I feel like I look at their social media and I feel like I have to go take a shower because I feel toxic and I feel, I feel dirty. I feel like Like that, 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 that did not make me feel good about myself because of what you're following and what you're posting and what you're liking and, 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 and the people that you're following, that tells people a lot about who you are. You know, we talk about the, the value of customers feeling safe in a salon, that it's a basic human need. And when I say that people are like, well, what do you mean by that? How would my customer feel unsafe in my salon? And I ask them, well, is there gossip in your salon? If there is gossip in your salon, does a customer feel safe? No, because they're thinking, you know, well, they're talking about that other customer in front of me. And yeah, maybe I think it's entertaining. And maybe as the customer, I I might even smile or smirk or laugh at the, at the gossip conversations. But the second that the customer leaves the salon, they're thinking, I'm next, they're gonna be talking about me when I leave the salon, just like they talked about other people, which means I don't feel safe in that salon. And if I don't feel safe, I'm not coming back.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. And, and I'll also add that, that people often come into a salon, perhaps in that moment, they have low self-esteem. They're not feeling great about themselves for all kinds of reasons. And depending on how you communicate with them, depending on you know, how you greet them, how you make them feel, how you, how you do the consultation, they could very easily not feel safe in the moment of just getting a
1: service. And, and, and that's so important to say. And we have so many b- beautiful mentors and hairdressers in this industry who will tell story after story after story of how, how because they, they wore that type of compassionate, empathetic, paying attention hairdresser, service provider, and they took good care of that customer, that that customer came back and said, guess what? You saved my life. You saved my life because of this you saved my life that was the day that i was planning to die of suicide you saved my life because uh my husband is cheating on me i have a boss that yells at me yeah i can afford to pay you 500 for your services but but i don't feel like i belong in my own home i don't feel like i belong at work i come to your salon and this is the place where i finally feel like i belong like i like i'm a part of something that's bigger than the myself and that's the reason why they're coming back. Yes, they want the, the great haircut. So take pride in that. But it's this other stuff that absolutely is what our industry is in desperate need of. And that's what can set you apart. You know, maybe, maybe you don't feel like as a hairdresser, you can compete with the, the superstar technical hairdressers, um, but you absolutely can perform and be there and sh- in these other ways that, that Gordon and I are sharing with you.
0: You know, Harvard did a study many years ago about service industries, including the professional beauty industry. And they, they did some analysis in, in a way only Harvard would do, looking at all the geeky stuff about, you know, what makes someone successful? You know, I talked to clients and all kinds of people who take, you know, advantage of service providers in, in all these different industries and also talk to the professionals. And they kind of came down to 80 some percent of success in most service industries, including ours has not to do with technical skills. It has to do with how we communicate, the soft skills, how our culture, you know, how we engage with people. Eighty percent of success, according to Harvard, really smart people, has to do with non-technical skills.
1: Oh, i'll I'll back that up every day of the week. and And I had mentors that taught me that lesson many, many years ago. You know they they would say as as much as eighty five percent has nothing to do with technical. Meaning 15% of the reason why a customer comes back to you, uh, 15% is the haircut. What's the other 85%? The stuff that we're talking about. It's your appearance. It's the cleanliness of the salon. It's how you greet them. It's, it's, it's what does your restroom look like? You know, I, I love uh, mentors that said that, that the salon restroom needs to be a religious experience for mm-hmm, the customer. Mm-hmm. And yet sometimes the restroom is just so overlooked or we, we forget about the restroom. Uh, So that's a very lengthy list of all the things that fall into the other 85% of why the customer is loyal. But the good news is that every person listening to this has, has influence and they have control over all the little tiny steps of what it will take to address the other 85%. So even if you think that you're you're behind in your technical abilities, guess what? It's the other 85% that you could also focus on as well, and you better believe it could put you ahead of the rest. You know, how many how many starving artists do we know? Mm. So we all know people who are brilliant, brilliant with their artistry, and that could include hairdressing, and yet they can't make money.
0: And, you know, none of this diminishes, as you referenced a couple minutes ago, diminishes the craft in any way it's all important. That long list is important. The craft is important, you know, but, but again, you you, you kind of have to look at all of the attributes that you have to have in a career to be successful and, and, and just be very conscious of every last one of them and do the best you can to be the best you can be in every single one of them.
1: Yes. You know what, you know what it is, Gordon, I? You, you and I love hairdressers. Yes, we, we do. We study them. We, we worship them on, 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 on many levels. And it's, it's it, to me. It's it's the best group of people uh, to go to. I speak to other industries, and and what do I talk about with those other industries? What are the stories that I tell? My stories about hairdressers.
0: I don't have any friends at this point in my life who are not hairdressers, oh, except hilarious. for you. That's except funny. for you. There's a, there's a couple people in the executive parts of our industry who are not hairdressers. We're we're a minority, but pretty much all of my day to day friends are hairdressers, and and my partner's
1: a hairdresser, and your partner's a
0: hairdresser. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. All right. We, we landed well, my friend. We, we, we really did.
0: A little wrap up on be nice. Any, any final words on this really big idea that you've been putting out there in front of tens? Of, oh, gosh, I can't even imagine how many people have been exposed to be nice now. Hundreds of thousands.
1: Well, yeah. Fi- final message on, on that topic of, of be nice. I really can't think of a better time or a more important time on this planet than right now. We are so divided in so many ways. We're divided politically and culturally, and it's, 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 it's super sad out there. And, and, uh, but, you know, but the good news is, for as much as people want to believe, and, and accurately so, that there's a lot of racism, a lot of hate, a lot of naysayers out there. Well, anytime that there's a lot of hate, the opposite of that is that we are building this army of healers. I don't know how 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 to put it better because there is so much pain and suffering out there that requires that we need healers and so people who have also been through that pain and they've been through that suffering and they have overcome bad relationships and abuse and they've overcome addiction and now they're in recovery it's that army we're learning how to better support each other how to love each other how to be healers for each other so as 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 it can be that there's a lot of hate out there, uh, just, just know that there's a an even bigger army that is still in training and some of that are already out there doing the work of healers. And that's what we have to focus on. It's so easy to focus on the naysayers. And let me tell you something, they don't even follow me because the, the second that they follow me and they try to post their negativity on my social media, um, I delete them. <laughs> People like, but when that's just free free press. I'm like, you know, free speech. I'm like, no, it's not. Not on my social media. They can, they can post whatever they want on their negative social media, but on mine, uh-uh. This is a platform that I have spent my many, many years building and creating so that if people spend time with me and they visit me and they check me out, they're going to feel better about themselves. And let's focus on that army of healers more so than on the army of, of, of haters and naysayers. And, and that's the ultimate message of Be Nice, that all of us have power. We have control. We have influence. For me, influence, leadership is not a position. It's, it's an energy. It's an energy that you bring with you. And, and all of us have that power. We all have that influence. And so how are you using your power? And so maybe Be Nice is just a, a step-by-step guide to teach people about the other eighty-five percent that we're talking about, teach people about the other reasons why why people might be loyal to us as as um, as our customers, as our team members, as our employees, uh, as our employers, as our lovers, as our friends. Uh, why else are they loyal to us? And how can we improve that skill set? Such good, such good stuff. Um, just do it.
0: And be nice. <laughs> to borrow Thank from you. Nike um, All right, so last question. you again, as everybody's heard you, you and I both have had really long careers, um, and, and we've stayed in the professional beauty industry, and I, I think there's got to be something in that that we're sharing with our audience. So from your perspective, best advice for someone looking to have a long, successful, sustainable
1: and satisfying career. Yeah, I, I love that question as well because. You know, when you love something, and by the way, we love the beauty industry. The reason why we chose this industry, anybody listening to this, it was joy that brought you to this industry. And you have friends, by the way, who chose the opposite. So they're in other careers, not because they chose those careers out of joy. They're doing what somebody else wants them to do, maybe, or what they feel like they have to do. And they hate their lives Monday through Friday. People who chose this industry, it was joy. Well, when you love doing something so much, that also means that maybe you want to do it too much. And so what can easily happen in the beauty industry, because, again, we love this so much, is that, uh, is that we we work too much and and we we failed to have the balance that we need it can happen in a marriage in a relationship we love each other so much we want to be with each other all the time and then and then that love that commitment can then turn into buying a house together uh, which requires jobs and now we have kids and why cuz we love each other so much we want to spread and grow our family now we have kids and and what happens is those boundaries go away you know, we we forget, even though we love our kids and we love our spouse, we forget about all the things that we need uh, that are going to keep that love alive and, and nurture it. We, for, we forget about date night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got to have date night. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're raising 18 kids, but we still need to have date night. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have a mortgage to pay and we all have jobs, to, but we still need to have date night. We need to do the things that we need to do to to keep that love alive. And And I would use that same analogy. Uh, with, with your, with your career. Yes, we love this. We love, we love being in the salon. We love our customers. We love the craft. We love the people that we get to work with, but that doesn't mean that we get to just not have the boundaries that are going to keep us balanced. Uh, what do they say? The, the solution to burnout is education. You know, so so when you're starting to feel that 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 burnout, actually before you start to feel that burnout, make it a good habit that once a month or once a quarter, you are investing in some type of education. So just like the date night that you're having with your spouse, you're also having that time that's already allocated for you to receive ongoing education. Uh, to have a bowling night with your team on on occasion, you know, get out of the salon and go someplace to have fun you know, a team that laughs with each other, creativity goes up, profits go up, absenteeism diminishes. Uh, And so we have to schedule all those things as well. So just realize that just like any successful marriage, uh, your career, you're married to your career, boy, aren't we? Your career needs boundaries. Your career needs, um, it needs nurturing. It needs all those little things that, that helped you create your career in the first place. So, just because it's been 20, 30, 50 years doesn't mean that you no longer need those things. Such good advice. Such good advice.
0: And I have to, I said I was going to mention it in the beginning, I, I never got to it. And that is your podcast and something that was a podcast before we knew about podcasts, but you know, talking about you know, all the great advice we just listened to from you, you have decades of great advice on master's. And again, you were doing it. I, I'm so proud that I've been podcasting for going on eight
1: years, but it doesn't begin to measure up <laughs> to your 20 plus years, I think, now of, of podcasting. Yeah, my, my first podcast came out. It was in uh, uh, 1994, so Ooh. long before the term podcast even existed. It was wow. me sitting down recording people face-to-face uh, and and mailing that interview out on cassette tapes uh, mm-hmm. to to subscribers that I had all over the planet. And, and the first person that I interviewed was Vidal Sassoon, because I thought, if he says yes to me, who's, who's going to say no? Nobody will ever turn me down. And I don't think anybody ever has,
0: because the list of guests that you have is like second to none. Anybody who's anybody in the last 20 some years, you know, 30 years, I guess, um, is, has
1: been on the master's program. And I still do it every single month. Every single month, I get to put out a new issue go to my website winclayba.com and on that website you'll you'll see lots of resources but included there uh says wins masters podcast and so um it's all free just go and you know click and there's uh, just tons and tons and and of course i still feature a lot of people from the professional beauty industry but i also uh years ago you know probably 12 years ago, started opening it up to people outside the beauty industry. And I've had the chance to interview uh, wonderful celebrities who use their celebrity to, to to make a difference for good causes. So I've interviewed Gary Sinise and Fran Drescher and Marie Osmond and Lisa Gibbons and Larry King. Um, but not everybody that I interview are are famous names that people would know if there's somebody who has a story to tell. So categories of how to Overcome addiction and and suicide prevention, and uh, so there's a big big focus on on mental health. I've interviewed people like Dr. Daniel Amen. Oh my gosh! And uh, of course, I always always want to highlight successful women. Love my best teachers, my best mentors are women, and so I'm always always given that stage and that platform to beautiful, powerful, wonderful women. So I, I love love having that opportunity to sit down. Those conversations with people,
0: love it. Recommend it to everybody. Thank and then you. for people who want to follow you on social, where would they go?
1: To Win ball So that's my real, Instagram. Real that's the, win Claybaugh. That's my 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 Twitter, which isn't called Twitter anymore. What's it called now? X. Update. X. Thank you, thank X. you, Gordon. X. <laughs> uh, that's my Facebook. Yeah, Win 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 Claybaugh. And uh, Paul so, Mitchell, yeah, please. please Uh, Paul Mitchell schools. Yeah. And Paul Mitchell. I think it's. Yeah. Paul Mitchell EDU. Maybe I'm not I'm not really sure. I probably should know that. I'll put
0: that. I will put that in the show. notes. I I don't know,
1: but I know who knows. And you probably know, but I don't know. so. (laughs) So
0: we will find that and make sure everybody is aware of it. And yeah, we're going to wrap up. You know, I am very committed to this being a thirty-minute podcast, and only Win is going to get sixty out of me. Oh gosh, <laughs> so, and gosh, it was worth every single minute of it. No, <laughs> oh, I, wish, sorry, I, I wish. I wish we could keep going. I mean, it's just such good stuff. So I have to say a huge thank you to our guest today and, and my friend, Win Claybaugh, Dean of Paul Mitchell the Schools, and a whole lot more, as you guys have already heard. Um, I again can't thank say thank you enough um and lastly let me just say um yeah if you like what you heard today leave a rating a review hit the subscribe button pay it forward share it with a colleague
1: um again so much great stuff from win and um yeah win it's been fun thank you gordon I, I i love you and i have for many many years and uh people need to know that that friendship that you and i have is genuine and it's on many different levels it's it's not just whenever i need a favor or you need a favor it's it's genuine we check in with each other and then every once in a while hey we could work together and that's always a plus we
0: got to spend two and a half hours in a car recently <laughs>
1: i know i know that was good That was that's a, that was all a longer, good time that's
0: a longer story from camp paul mitchell um so to our audience let me say you know thank you again for listening in this has been the mastering beauty podcast from the beautycast network uh, be sure to tune in every sunday for new episodes and brilliant guests um, i'm gordon miller i cannot wait to share again with you next time